I want to share with you, I'm on a uh, discussion list of progressive rabbis of all denominations. And I want to share with you the way the discussion went this, this week. Someone posted a Devar Torah saying, this is my Devar Torah for Vayishlach. It goes like this. We have oppressed African-Americans as white people and that struggling with the angel is the, the deep-rooted fear that we still harbor of people of color. And that this rabbi said, you know, I work for human rights, I work for all the right progressive values, but the, the angel I wrestle with is the fact that I probably still am scared of a black man in a hoodie. And other rabbis said, you can't beat that. I gotta use that, I've already been sending it out to my congregation, and thank you for sharing your Torah. Another rabbi wrote, he said, look, I think it's beautiful, I think it's great, but on a Shabbat after there was, by some labeling, maybe the second most deadly anti-Semitic attack in the country, at least in recent memory, might not that be a sermon that should at least include a piece about that? Or other, as it might feel a little strange to a congregation that's come on this Saturday. The responses went, the response went that you forgot to mention Douglas Miguel Rodriguez. It may have been an anti-Semitic attack, but this is an Ecuadorian immigrant and a person of color. And isn't it typical that we forget to mention them? It was interesting that that person forgot to mention the police officer um, who was killed. But, but I understand the sentence. Another person also replied, typical. It's like after the Pittsburgh attack, we, so many rabbis, forgot to mention the African-American attack that happened the same week. And another said, listen, you've got to face up to the fact that white Jews have privilege. And African-Americans don't. And the original sermon is the right sermon to give. I was a little surprised by the reaction, although I understand it, and I'm struggling with it. If you think Rafnadov's going to slam it, unfortunately, I'll probably end up in a wishy-washy place you wish I wasn't at, because I'm still growing. Someone pointed us to an Atlantic article that stressed the fact that something that I'm not entirely aware of, I'm not sure if it's entirely true, because I'm not in academia anymore, that the way progressive studies have gone, I count myself very much a progressive, is that in order to counter the idea that let's say when white people say, well, blacks are racist against us too, in order to count, you know, all lives matter, in order to count that, in, counteract that shallowness from an academic perspective, to provide an academic tool to respond, increasingly the notion is that racism can only occur in a context in which one group or people is structurally persecuting another group. It's not fair to say, I mean, it's not fair for me to say, well, you're racist against me. That's not fair. The structure that I'm a part of is that they are systematically oppressed, which is absolutely true. And I am not. And yet that notion, where has it led? I made the terrible mistake a week ago of calling up a YouTube video, I wish I hadn't done it, of one of my heroes. So one of my heroes is a professor named Cornell West. He's part of a panel at a small liberal arts college, and he painfully says that Israel is an oppressive state against people of color, they're colonialist, and this is the human rights issue of our time. Wow, I 
couldn't believe that I could hear him say that. And I feel like he's operating out of this new paradigm, perhaps. And maybe the Atlantic gets, get it wrong and I got it wrong. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, but you see, I agree with a lot of it, which is that racism happens within the context of oppression. And so in some ways, let's just face it. This makes things really difficult for Jews. How does anti-Semitism fit in there? So if I'm a white Jew of a white Jew of privilege in this country, I feel that part of what's going on in the conversation among progressive rabbis like myself is, well, where's the room for that? Because if I am no longer structurally oppressed, although my parents were and my grandparents certainly were, and we won't even go farther back than that, but let's admit, uh, I'm a person of privilege. Does that mean there's no such thing as anti-Semitism? You know, is, or, or do I have to go to the place, as you all know, which is, well, it's pretty strange to say white people or Israel is a group of people of white people when, you know, almost a million Mizrahi Arab-speaking Jews were kicked out of their countries um, by some governments who allied with the Nazis. And so Israel is far from a white state. But, but like, let's say I don't go there. And so I don't just try to prove that we are structurally oppressed. Is that, where does, where does an anti-Semitic attack leave us? Where does it leave me as progressive? By the way, one person also said, I'm going to post what a Jew of color said in my shul, which was basically, I feel for the Jews and I feel for everyone else and let's get along. But it was also like, you know, only the voice of person of color would count in this context. And that didn't seem right to me either. The very best sermon on this was the one that Rabbi Dabras, I had the privilege of reading it on his website. And, and I mean, for those who are here, he couldn't have said it better, which he said, we're both Jacob and Israel. And Jacob is the part of us that has to be concerned about our tribe and the people we come from and our self-preservation. And, and violence against us is not okay. And we also have to be Israel. We have to be, what are, the, what are the humanistic values of Torah? Where is our spiritual enlightenment? Where do we rise above that hurt and also open up and embrace my, my progressive voice? So I can't really do better than that resolution, but I'm still struggling a little bit. Then the moderator of the group said, why don't you go and read Sherry Brown's article, which is called The Hook. And that article is basically, well, it's a little bit of a cultural conflict we're undergoing because the way Jews respond to anti-Semitism is to be pushy. Jews respond to anti-Semitism with activism so that if you plan the march, the progressive march on Rosh Hashanah, we say, hey, yo, Rosh Hashanah, like, that's not okay. Or if we see that there was a panel on Israel and it was all BDS people, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not okay, not okay, not okay. And when there's an anti-Semitic attack, we're very likely within seven days to create seven new organizations that are going to combat the rising trend in America. Sometimes in a community organizing setting, when Jews are passionate about an issue, they have a tendency to sometimes take over. And she said that this doesn't go over well in progressive groups because it's like, ugh, Jews are being pushy again. It's all about you. It's all about that it was on Rosh Hashanah. It's all about that we were gonna march on Shabbos. The keynote speaker last week at the conservative and rabbinical assembly biennial was Barry Weiss. And Barry Weiss stood up there and she said, Look, it's easy for me to speak. I'm not a rabbi. I don't have a congregation, but this is what I got to say. She said, I think I am sort of Phi Beta Kappa conservative Jew. She like went to Ramah. 
She led services like US-wide leader. She did her gap year with Nativ in Israel. She's basically been a part of conservative synagogues. She grew up in them, and she's been a leader in them. So she's like, I think I'm pretty much like the award-winning, perfect, young, conservative Jewess. And she said, and my friends are progressive Jews and progressives in general. And she said that what I want is we want to be able to go to the progressive rally, and we want to wear our Jewish star. And we don't want to be told that's a little pushy. And you made a little noise, and you're a person of privilege. I know I'm a person of privilege, but what she said is young progressives like me want to be proudly Jewish, and we want to be proudly progressive. And if what you're telling me, and she's saying rabbis and the leaders of conservative congregations, is that the message of conservative Judaism is progressivism, and there's not more Torah there and not more God there, then we're just doing what Cynthia Ozick said, which is that we are joining in, in along with a whole bunch of other people in blowing into the wide end of the shofar and making very little noise coming out the narrow. Cynthia Ozick famously said, she's still going strong in her mid-90s, that we've got to blow through the small part of the shofar so we can be heard. So Barry Weiss says, please, give me resources to say that my progressive values are a big part of my Torah. And I also want to be woke to my own privilege. But please don't say the parsha is about my white privilege. That's what it means to be a Jew. And so blow into the wide end of the shofar. It's the idea that if that is our mission, if we, God willing, succeed, what would Judaism be afterward? If you asked me what sermon I wanted to give, what Torah I saw in today's Parsha, reading this, trying to do my rabbi thing like you do. I try to read my sources, a lot of you do it too. Before the anti-Semitic attack, I didn't want to talk about any of this. What I wanted to say is what I see in the Parsha is I'm angry at the rabbis this week because what they basically say for the mainstream interpretation is that Yaakov is struggling with his fear and the wrestling with the angel, and he, he's so fearful and he's so anxious and he's wrestling because he's really done wrong. He has every right to be afraid of Esau. He cheated him, right? And then he's been a fraudster from the beginning. He had a lot of karma to make up for to get to this point. And he was not a person of chesed, of loving kindness and forgiveness, and so now he's, lear he's learning how to be. I think that's victimizing the victim. I'm angry at the rabbis. What I see is so, I wanted to talk about mental illness. I want to talk about someone who suffers from depression and anxiety. I want to talk about someone who's sitting there who's living a life in which he constantly feels he doesn't, he's not good enough and he can't get what he wants. Honestly, it's clear to me, I'm probably wrong, Isaac knew exactly what was happening with the birthright business. And it is clear to me that Yaakov did the right thing in, with his brother. And his brother was fully complicit in it. This was an act, not an act of exploitation. And then he goes and, you know, he wants to marry one woman. And the cheater says to him, you have to marry the other daughter first. And I agree with many of the historians in this room that he probably had an inkling that he would have to because yet in those times he couldn't marry the younger without the older being married. But he says, okay, I'll, I'll do what's right. I'll do what's expected of me. And then he gets Rachel, but then it becomes like, I've got my flocks and I've worked for you and I've, I've slaved and let me go. Well, it's not so easy, Levon says. You can't quite go now. You, you have more work to do. 
if I'm him, I'm saying, am I crazy? And, and, and then he flees, and, and he's being accused of stealing the household gods. And it turns out it's true because his wife stole them and didn't tell him. I feel like he's constantly getting blamed for the system he's in. And it's like, you know what? If only Yaakov could do better. If only Yaakov made penance for his karma. If only Yaakov could figure out his fears and overcome them. This reminds me of a situation I'm sure you've all encountered years and years and years and years ago. I had a congregant come to me and say to me, would you encourage my wife to get therapy? And I said, why is that? And it says, because she says it drives her crazy to live with me. <laughs> and I said, well, so what's the therapy for? Because to work out her issues so that she overcomes her anxiety and depression and then she's okay. I said to him, has it ever occurred to you that you're the problem? Said, of course I'm not the problem. I feel perfectly fine. <laughs> of course, you can imagine I recommend that they get family therapy. I feel like that's, I feel like it's a case of gaslighting with Yaakov. Even the rabbis are telling him, you know, what percentage of this population suffers? I mean, do you know what anxiety is like? Do you, do you know what it's like to repeat to yourself over and over again? that you're a failure, that the decisions you made in life, if only you made different decisions, you'd be in a different place, that the challenges you have ahead of you, you have no chance of overcoming. You know, like to me, that's the Torah. And then, and then, and then to be told, well, it's his fault. He's got to struggle with his white privilege. Or it's his fault. He's got to struggle with his bad karma from cheating his brother. My God, maybe it was the Levon system that he was cheated in. If only he could get better and overcome his demons, we could all be okay with him? So for me, the Torah today is about that. And then I'll wrap it up by saying, like, I don't know where to go with my progressivism. I was gonna say something really nice sounding, like I think progressivism is my angel that I wrestle with. But that sounded really like melodramatic and superficial. What I'm mostly wrestling with is what Barry Weiss challenged me to do, which is I wanna wrestle with Torah devoid of just the political issues of my time, and I want Torah to speak to the political issues of my time as much as possible. And I think, as Rabbi Daberson said, we have both sides of us, and we will combine both sides of us. But in a week after an anti-Semitic attack yet again, in a week after I watch a hero of mine tell me the problem is with me, there's a part of me that just I'm tired of being told, if only I would fix myself, it would all be better. Maybe it's the system. <laughs>